The following program was presented on June 24th, 2009. ReachMD XM160 now presents Second Opinion Live with hosts Drs. Larry Kaskill and Michael Greenberg. Hi, welcome to Second Opinion Live on ReachMD Radio XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill. Yes, you are, Larry, and I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and this program's a little bit different from others on ReachMD. There's two of us, and we're absolutely live. And it's a little different also because we want to actually hear from you guys out there, the medical professionals. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to know what you're thinking. Today, we're going to take another look at health system reform, this time from the perspective of physicians that advocate a single-payer approach. Can single-payer preserve quality and innovation in medicine and reduce the cost of care? I doubt it. Is single-payer a realistic option at this point in the reform debate? What do you think, Michael? In my opinion, I'm not sure. I don't think so, in my opinion. But our guest, Dr. Carol Paris, is a physician advocate for the single-payer approach. She was actually arrested for trying to raise the profile of single-payer at a recent Senate roundtable. She'll share her perspective on the issues, and we'll take your calls as time allows. The number is... 888-MD-1-REACH. That's 888-631-7322. We're also going to talk about an antiquated technology. Remember this thing called the beeper, Michael? It was one of the first forms we used to communicate in medicine. Actually, they still use it in hospitals, but there's some new numbers out there that show that it might be quite error-prone. And uh, we'll, ta- we'll take a look at the ReachMD forum to examine the data. Again, our phone number is 888-MD-1-REACH. Now it's your turn. The ReachMD poll wants you to voice your opinion and vote. ReachMD XM160 now presents the ReachMD poll. Okay, our first stop, Larry, is the ReachMD poll, and it's a very interesting one this week. We're looking at physicians who blog during or after their malpractice trials. I can't say that. For those of us who are bloggers out there, is this a smart move? Well, uh, you know, we talked about this earlier. I think it's great to blog and as do you, but probably not a great idea to blog during your trial. Maybe maybe write down your thoughts and then maybe blog later. I think that makes sense. You know, when I had uh, prostate cancer a year and a half ago, I wrote a very intimate blog about my experiences, and I put it online, and a couple friends who read it first said, Michael, some of this stuff's pretty sensitive mm-hmm. and intimate. You might not want to put it on or read, read it later and put it on later. Right. I think when you're in the heat of the passion and you're writing, it's you know, it's cathartic, it's good for you, but you may be saying things that you may later regret. And you may be saying things about the trial that could be used against you, so it's probably not the smartest thing. So what happened with this doctor? Um, I don't know. Uh, but I think it, I heard that it worked against him. I think by him blogging, uh, things didn't go very well for him. Well... And I think that would uh, probably work against you. It could work against you. So, so is there some blog out there that we can look at that if we, God forbid, have to go through a, uh, a malpractice trial? Yeah, I think there is a physician blogging after the fact that uh, currently posted twice in a series of posts on the trial. And he gave a few of the uh, case facts. And I think it's good. I think it would be really good, Larry, to have people who've gone through malpractice trials document what they felt like, document right. the, their, their emotions, because it will help those other people coming after them who are involved in trials. Otherwise, you'll feel quite alone. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it, there, there's something about your sharing your intimate feelings that makes you feel not alone, makes you feel much better that somebody else has gone through it ahead so of I you. So I guess the, the take-home message is if you're going to blog or tweet, do post, post-trial tweeting. Yeah, I, per, I prefer to blog, not tweet. I have no idea how Twitter works. Really? 
No. Tweet is the future, Michael. I, I, and the only thing in life that's constant is change. That's true. So um, if you'd like to share your thoughts about um, blogging during a malpractice trial, visit our website at ReachMD.com, and you can vote on the ReachMD poll. In a minute, we're going to get to the subject of the single-payer health care system. Our number again is 888-MD1-REACH. In real numbers, that's 888-631-7322. That's okay. the number of ReachMD Radio XM 160. And on the ReachMD forum, Larry, we're going to look at a study on the pager system we still see in many hospitals. The results caught my eye, indicating we may need to find a better way to get a hold of docs on call. Do you have a pager? I do not have a pager. I have what's called a cell phone right. that my answering service can text me to, and I get the phone number of who wants to reach me, and then I push the iPhone, and it connects me to that right. patient. You know, there was a study in the Archives of Internal Medicine of two Canadian teaching hospitals over two months that one in seven pages, or 14%, were sent to the wrong physician. It's a big number. You can't do that on a cell phone. Right. So, so why, why beepers? Who's, who's the only ones that, that even carry beepers the anymore, Canadians, Michael? and look at their health care system. But in our country, who has beepers anymore? Uh, drug dealers. Right. Um, women of... The evening. Jade, jade, women of the evening, uh, kids. Uh, and doctors. And doctors, and so, that's about it. So you know, look, my, at the, look at the category that puts us in. Right, exactly. So I think we should get rid of our beepers. Um, my, partner, my partner has a beeper, and it costs me 40 bucks a month to pay for her beeper, and she has a cell phone. Why do you need the duplicity? I don't understand it. I think it's just a leftover anachronism from the days when it was prestigious to carry a beeper at Mary right. or somebody. Right. Now it's much cooler to have an iPhone, and you can get a text message. And at least if you call the phone, you know you're getting to the right place, hopefully, except in the case of my hospital, where they're always calling me for Dr. Bruce Greenberg's GI complaints. Uh-huh. And, and, I, and I answer them. I tell them to rub steroid cream on, being That's a dermatologist. Good. Or a little, a little Elevil at night. Treats all GI problems. Yeah. So, how, you know, how do we do this? How do we move away from beepers? What do you, I don't get why we're still using it. But I guess the point is, folks, if you're carrying a beeper, it's time to get rid of it. It's time to move up to the, the current days. Get your cell phone and answer it because it's too easy to ignore a beeper, by the way. No one ever knows if they got the message. Right. So as, as Moses said in the Ten Commandments, let my beepers go. Okay. Yes. Okay. So today we're talking about... We have a guest here. Uh, we're talking about uh, single payers. And we have a guest here today on the phone. We're going to get to her. Okay. Um, All right. So, you know, we've heard a lot about health system reform in recent months, days, weeks, hours. And one of those potentials is the single payer approach. And the advocates of the single payer say it's the only way to provide comprehensive cost-effective medical coverage. I used to have the single-payer approach when I first started. The single-payer was my patient. They paid me, and they worried about their insurance companies. And it worked fine. Yeah, it worked fine. We're talking about a different approach today. Our guest today is Dr. Carol Paris. People believe that the approach, like Dr. Paris believes, the approach hasn't received a fair shake politically, in large part because the lobbying influences the healthcare industry. We've got a lot of people with a lot of money who have a lot of interest here. Exactly. And critics of single-payer argue, among other things, that the quality of care will go down that'll breed excess demand for medical services. Dr. Paris, are you with us? Yes, I am. All Thank right. you for having me. Welcome to Second Opinion. So, so, so tell us your point here. Well, my point is, uh, first, that I think many um, of your listeners and many Americans don't even have a real clear understanding of what single-payer 
uh, health care reform is. Right. I don't. I think it's going to be just a bad Medicare system, and uh, we're all going to be stuck in it. So explain okay. why we're not. Well, it is called uh, by some people simply to, to conceptualize it, um, improved Medicare for all. But what it really is is a means of financing health care where all of the money goes into one um, fund that is managed by the government, um, however we decide to formulate that, that um, entity, but that all of the, the money for funding care is managed in one fund called a single payer. So the funding of health care is public. The delivery of care remains private. So do you mean that the system's not going to tell me what they're going to pay and not pay for like they do now, and so my patients are going to be denied care that way? Well, right now, you have 1,300, or in America, we have 1,300 different insurance companies, and potentially another, probably close to 10,000 different plans within those 1,300 insurance companies. So right now you're dealing with thousands of different people telling you what they're going to reimburse you and you can take it or leave it. And they're telling your patients, you can see this doctor, but you can't see that doctor. With a single payer, there, yes, there will be, um, there has to be containment of cost, but that will be done hopefully, and I think much more efficiently and fairly by an organization that does not have profit as its primary uh, fiduciary responsibility. Well, there, you know, you've hit on the, the, the the key issue here in that these are companies that are out to make money, and they make money off of uh, denying care, out of providing not so great care, out of uh, taking money from doctors, and as you said, there's 1,300 companies out there uh, that employ hundreds of thousands of people, and they have a lot of money, and they're not going to want a single payer. They're going to fight this tooth and nail to the death. That is correct. They're fighting it um, with millions and millions of dollars that are given to the re-election campaign coffers mm-hmm. of President Obama and every member of Congress. Do you think you're going to be able to overcome that? Well, I may be a um, Pollyanna, but I have faith that the only entity more powerful than the lobby's money is the will of the American people when they are educated and come together for a, a purpose. Um, I mean, when I look at what we, at, at the outpouring of goodwill after 9-11, at the outpouring of goodwill after Katrina, there's no doubt that the American people can put their minds together and, well, I'm and play, do good things. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Didn't the government mess up in Katrina and not get there early enough and not do a great job? Do you want that same government being the one who runs the health care? Could we have some outside source running it with well, one payer? The 
the government will not be delivering care. The, the government will be only in charge of um, managing the financing of health care. And when President Obama and every member of Congress has the same health insurance that you and I do, I'm inclined to believe that there will be um, political will to have that be done well. Well, what you said was brilliant because the Congress and the Senate and the President get awesome health care. If they want to give that to everybody, I'm behind you 100%. What I'm worried about is they're going to still have their health care, and we're going to get a watered-down system with czars telling us what we can and can't do. That would be my fear. Well, that is what they're offering you right now with the health reform that is being crafted both by the Senate and by the um, three committees of the House. So whatever they come up with that continues to utilize the private insurance industry is going to be nothing more than a bailout for the private insurance industry. Carol, what can we do as physicians if we are in favor of the single-payer system? What, what power do we have uh, as a single voice? And don't say go to jail, okay? I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> Jail wasn't really all that bad, but um, it looks like I may be picking up trash on the um, National Mall for 40 hours, but we'll see. We haven't come to that decision quite yet. Um, but no, you don't have to get arrested. The first thing you can do is join PNHP. I've got to warn you, we just have a couple seconds, so give it to us faster. Jo join PNHP, Physicians for a National Health program, www.pnhp.org. Educate yourself about the issue and then educate your patients. We are, as physicians, we are the grassroots uh, organizers. Thank you. We don't, we don't mean to cut you off here, but we have a certain amount of time for the show. And thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you, Dr. Thanks. Paris. So what do you think, Larry? I think it's not going to happen in our lifetime, Michael. <laughs> right. It's pie in the sky. Uh, with that, we are out of time today on Second Opinion Live. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill. And I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg. For more about ReachMD Radio and XM160, visit our website at ReachMD.com. And thank you for joining us on ReachMD. And we had a fun time today. <laughs> <laughs>